So I just sat in a, in a loving kindness meditation and I just, I, it was anything but loving kindness. It was one of those meditations where you're sitting there and you have your hands in your, uh, your face, in your palms, kind of in the palms of your hands and you're just bent over like, this is aggravating. I don't know how I'm going to get through this uh, loving kindness meditation where I'm supposed to feel so relaxed and, you know, free and at peace with the world. And at times that's the exact opposite that you face when you enter these powerful practices. And some of the things that were coming up for me were, I guess, some interesting social contextual factors that I'm trying to understand in my role as a meditation and mindfulness teacher, awareness. I've noticed this over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. And it's this boxing in of male, female, he, him, her, she. And in the context of a meditation, in a loving kindness meditation, and I've started to go on Insight Timer to listen to some more guidance to get to some new perspectives. I'm super judgmental of other teachers. It's really something I'm trying to like actually sit in within the meditation, be like, why am I so judgmental like of of all these teachers? Like I really want to find a teacher that I vibe with or connect with or I can like feel you know, some it's just I feel a disconnect from as a white cisgender male from the teaching community that is largely white male and female. At least those are the ones that I've found and there are so many more that it, communities that exist and maybe I just haven't found a community that I can connect with from an awareness perspective because in those meditations when I hear and and this is when I'm talking about this this isn't uh, a an aggression on me in a sense maybe it is in a in a collective kind of sense but when the context when the the meditation teacher is offering this guidance and you know offering love and kindness in the direction of him or her is leaving out so many people so many people are left out that don't identify within that binary of male or female and i'm and i'm not going to say i'm an expert in gender i'm really not i'm not an expert and i'm and i'm doing a number of kind of self study to try and better support the diversity of the of the human race and I'm not an expert and I'm going to make mistakes I think it's important for me to break kind of some of these within the mindfulness and meditation community very rarely do we dip our toes into the social context of what it means to be human and how all these different intersectionalities of identity play out in the community outside of the community in the meditation so I'd like to give an example from my, uh, a lived experience of, of my life of how saying, if you're a mindfulness teacher, how saying, you know, you can practice breathing any place, anytime, anywhere, right? This is something that I've, I've thought about. And to me, this is a privileged statement. You can practice breathing any place, anytime, anywhere. Why is that a privileged statement? So here's an example. I was out with my girlfriend, Fiona. We went to a a place in D.C. where they were serving some form of, I apologize in this moment, I can't really remember what it was, but it was a soup dish with a lot of vegetables, and it had spices, 
and I have the some of these challenges, and and I haven't had many of these recently, but a couple of years ago, this example is from a couple of years ago. You know, it was a tight space. There were a lot of people packed in really close. Like I could just put out my shoulder right and bump the person sitting next to me. So there's some anxiety about this room. It's loud. It's crowded. There's noises. There's a lot of people, and. I'm with Fiona, she's right across from me, and I'm exploring this new dish. Now I have this fear, this thought, and I don't often, I see this sometimes, but I don't often see it as much anymore of, you know, what if something in this bowl I'm allergic to? And then I eat it, and then I go into anaphylactic shock where my throat starts to close up and I can no longer breathe. It's a terrifying thought to have, right? Mindfulness has helped me identify those thoughts as irrational and kind of feel the experience of the emotion and, okay, letting it through. But in that moment, I was feeling some panic. I was feeling some anxiety arising in my chest. You know, that kind of nervousness. You're like looking around. You start moving your body a little bit, kind of like looking for an exit, right? And I was like, okay, Fiona. And this was one of my techniques that I have. I'm just going to go to the bathroom and take some deep breaths. So I walked up and I I went to the bathroom and I immediately looked at the bathroom and, and I saw male and female. And in that moment, I saw that what if I didn't identify as a male and there was no bathroom for me to go into that I felt comfortable and safe in to calm down and deep breathe, right? In that moment, breathing is breathing and saying, hey, mindfulness, you can practice at any place, anytime, anywhere. It was a privilege for me to be able to go into the bathroom that was identified as male. I didn't even have to think about it. It just, it, it just was there. It's, It's uh, normalized within our society. Another example uh, that I think, so that's one focused on gender. Another example, maybe on race, would be, let's say I was driving, right? I was driving my car. I'm a white male. It's unlikely because of the statistics and how racial profiling works that if I pulled over to the side of the road because I was having anxiety, which has happened to me when I've been driving before, I've become overwhelmed and I've had to like, I haven't actually had to pull over. I've, I've just been driving and had taken some deep breaths. But imagine if I would have had to pull over to the side of the road, right? And I would calm down, take some deep breaths. It's unlikely that a cop might pull over next to me if they see me because of the color of my skin. If I was a different ethnicity, if my skin color was, a different, was different than being white or perceived as white, then it, it's likely that, because, and this is how, you know, there's plenty of statistical data to, to back this up, that people of color are pulled over and interrogated and interviewed and deemed as suspects or suspicious or something's, uh, there's something going on here, right? There's something wrong. There's a criminal component to it. So in that moment, if, if I wasn't white, right? and I was pulled over to the side of the road to practice pace breathing, that cop may pull over, interrogate me, and it's quite possible that a life could be lost simply because I was pulling over or a person of color was pulling over to take some deep breaths. Language is so important within the mindfulness and meditation community, and it's not something that we... As, you know, I'm in a number of communities right now, which are majority white, 
And it's not, we don't talk about that much. I will say that in one of our groups, I noticed this within one of my, one of our conversations around, we were giving one of our other, the mentors was giving, uh, one, not one of the mentors, one of the other students was giving a talk and in the example, they used he. And so I, I, I couldn't even listen to their talk because the whole time I was like, should I say something? Should I say something? You know, should I point this out? You know, this is an interesting moment from a learning perspective, but it's also, you know, think about the collective harm that this, you know, uh, of patriarchy and he and him and, and males, male-dominated society. What if in this moment I could just say, and so I did call attention to it. It took me so long to break out of that pattern of neutrality that I couldn't even listen to the, the person and so language is, is so powerful. So I would really encourage anyone listening to this to, to really bring, if you have a mindfulness practice, if you're interested in a mindfulness practice, awareness extends to the way that you move about and communicate with the world around you. So what, what vocabulary are you using on a day-to-day basis? And it will show you so much about who you are and who you've been conditioned to be. And what is your conditioning? I mean, I'll say, oh man, or like, I'll include all of these men and male phrases, and I'm actively rooting, uprooting those and disentangling them because they are on a very small level contributing to this system of male dominance in this, in this global world. So language. And, 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 and another example, I was just reading a book, uh, New Earth, I believe, by Eckhart Tolle. I don't know. I couldn't. I I couldn't get through it because the it, it was so many of these books, right? Or he, him, her, and a lot of books now because in in, in past meditation books in like the sixties and seventies, it's just him or his, and now they've you know brought in her, but then they're still leaving so many people out. So I've actually started to eliminate a lot of gendered language, and use they in them, in the way that I speak and communicate with the world. And and the reason why I am doing this is simply so that I can do the least amount of harm possible. Because when I'm using those different, you know, bi- the binary of he, him, she, her, if I'm speaking to a community and group of people, there's no way that unless we've kind of communicated that I know everyone's gender, and it's very possible that I've left someone out in that space. And so that goes at the core, the core, you know, belonging. This, you know, who, uh, do I belong here? Am I welcome? Well, back to the, the New Earth book, I was caught off guard by a, a comment that talked about Indian, uh, Native Americans, I can't, I, it may have said Indians, but Native Americans losing their land. And I was just so awestruck in that moment about the way that the language was used because there were, that was genocide. There was complete genocide and destruction of indigenous populations all across this country. And it was boiled down to one or two sentences to make a point that, and, and, and I was just like, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't read this book anymore. So it's, I think what I'm trying to share today is that how can we bring the practice of mindfulness to all of these social and contextual factors, the intersectionality of identities? How do we have those conversations? And how do we do the least amount of harm possible? I'm not trying to say that I have answers or what I'm saying is right or wrong. It's very possible I've said something that someone might find 
well, I didn't say it as best as I could have or in the best position that an ally should be, right? This is the truth that I'm speaking, that I'm noticing through my own awareness practice. For example, you know, when you start to sit and you commit to a daily practice, you will see your racist ideas. You will see them. Why would I want to sit within and see how I am a racist or a sexist or a homophobe? And what is, why do I want to actually see that? And, 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 and are there teachers out there that are actively saying, this is how you work with those challenges when they come up? Because I see them all the time. And does that mean I'm a good person or a bad person? If I'm aware or if I'm not aware, mostly unconscious, these thought patterns run my life, our lives, our, cis, our entire world. So if you're, if you're listening and, and, and remembering that I'm speaking from a very white, privileged background and perspective, when I see these racist ideas that are prompted by you know, stimuli in the outside environment, starting to do some research on the foundations of why these ideas exist. So one of the books that I've been reading is Stamp from the Beginning. And so understanding the history of all of these ideas goes back hundreds of years. And they're perpetuated over and over again because we aren't sitting and disentangling them. One of the ways that I work with them, because I haven't seen many teachers, at least white teachers, talk about this. And so here I am, I see the racist idea. That's what I'll say in my mind. That's a racist idea. Or I see you, I'm aware of you, and and I probably there's probably so many that go under the line, right, that I don't see. But the ones that I do catch, I'm thankful that I've caught them. And then I may actively offer loving kindness after I've described and become aware that they're here. Okay, may this person, may this being, may may this, you know, and then loving kindness in the direction of those that that thought pattern is oppressing. So these are just some thoughts that have been piling up over the weeks that I may have not really shared that have been a part of this journey of evolving minds and that I'm working with uh, every day, every day. So I actually sent a message to that person on Insight Timer saying, hey, you know, <laughs> it's so... <laughs> I, it was a weird system, right? Like, how do you share this information about the social context in the in the sphere of, like, how many stars you give someone? So out of five stars, I gave them two stars. It just feels odd. You know, it just feels kind of odd. And uh, I just shared a little bit about, hey, like, also this this idea of uh, in, in, the, in the meditation of the person proposing safety and security without talking about trauma or uh, that you might not feel safe or secure while you're sitting. And, 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 and I just, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't connect with that teacher is what I'm trying to say. So there's been, I feel like I jumped around in this conversation a little bit. I wanted to get some of my ideas out there. And now I might pause for a moment and take a deep breath in.
So in summary, tuning into the language that you use and that you see, tuning into your biases, not letting them slip under the radar because they control your behaviors and your actions, and they, on a, a collective scale, they lead to life lost, time lost on this beautiful planet. I mean, it's spring. Spring is here. There's regeneration and growth all around us, and it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. Just to share some brief updates about evolving minds uh, beyond working with my own conditioning. <laughs> we conducted our first, we had our first volunteer event and it was virtual. And it was a, it was an interesting experience where we got people to come on. It was called a social media-thon and we all came together, about eight to ten of us. The idea was, I like this idea, the idea was to invite as, to get people to have a competition and the competition is you have to get your friends or as many people as you can to invite all to our Facebook page. So we gave out a $25 award to the winner. The winner donated it to a uh, homeless shelter. And we, in about an hour, we came away with about over 700 likes to our Facebook page, which is, you know, I'm not really worried about likes, but in the grand scheme of things, when you go out to eat or if you're going out to eat, and you look up the place on your phone, nine times out of 10, what do you do? You look at the Google stars. You look at the Google reviews. You want to see how many people have liked it, right? And so that's a big part of this. But it's also driving people to our page. We just launched our mindfulness Facebook live stream on Thursday. And this was, I felt comfortable in the role. It's up on our Facebook page. Every Facebook, uh, every Thursday at 7 p.m. will be this gathering and you can come and we'll, we'll be teaching mindfulness, compassion, and gratitude, wellness skills that you can uh, maybe bring into your life if you'd like to. They're, they're pretty helpful. And we launched the podcast. So those are some big updates that we've had. The podcast, bolstering our social media presence during this pandemic, and the live stream. So I'd like to close this weekly stream of consciousness with a Oh, and we actually did a, uh, I did a first-time interview for, we're, we're getting ambassadors and interns for our summer and our fall, and I did an interview, and at the end of the interview, I proposed to the interviewee, because it is a power, it's a power role that you're in, you know, what kind of, and I know that I probably wasn't going to get the, you know, any feedback, but I was like, hey, this is new to me too, I would love if, you know, if you'd like to offer any constructive feedback for me to uh, to share that feedback because I'm I come from a growth mindset learning perspective wanting to do the least amount of harm possible and so I'd like to offer that too in this podcast if you're tuning in if you've tuned in from week one if you've tuned in from week 13 or week 14 and something hasn't sat right with you please let me know I mean you can send me an email at evolving.me uh oh, I forgot the forgot the email. Evolvingminds.me at gmail.com. Send me an email and depending on what it is, we could set up a time to connect over Zoom or or over uh, a call if it's something you'd like to share with me. And by no means or way am I asking you to educate me on anything. If you'd like to share your thoughts about something that didn't sit with you well, I am offering that that I'm open to receiving feedback. And, and I hope that when I do receive any feedback, that it will be met with not defensiveness or denial or anger, but okay, yes, this is what's happened. And here's a response that I can offer.
So that's me just being open and knowing that this is going out there into the never-ending stream of uh, the World Wide Web. Stay tuned for more Evolving Minds content. Take care.